0: Welcome to the Edgework podcast here on the Hammer Betting Network, episode four of this Edgework podcast, alongside David Peñota, Dennis Bernstein. I am Zach Bodenstein. D.B., did Dave leave too big of a mess behind in L.A., or was the cleanup kind (laughs) of a fast one? Like, how how did that work out? Hosting David Peñota might not be the easiest thing. So to the viewers,
1: how does that work? Well, the mess, we're used to that size of a mess. So, for some people, it might be overbearing, but for us, we're used to it. We had a hazmat crew in, I think, yeah. on uh, Monday after the Super Bowl. Plus, it was double that He was out here for the Dustin Brown ceremony, but also the Super Bowl. So yep. He was a squatter for the Super Bowl as well. And then he actually got, he didn't have to call over. I drove him to LAX. So, uh, but we know how to manage David's appearances here. So, it was uh, a great night in LA on Saturday night, fun Super Bowl. And uh, now we're on a plane to Raleigh tomorrow for the uh, outdoor game, hopefully on Saturday.
0: Should be a good time for you guys, and it's supposed to rain, Dave, on uh, on Friday. So that will yeah. will that impl- it, it, uh, change implications? You know, when it comes to practice, ice conditions, something like that. They they might have to move up the the practices because I believe they're
2: scheduled for 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. local time to try to get as close to game time on Saturday as possible because it's a it's a seven seven thirty game, whatever it is. Um, so Saturday looks good weather wise, looks perfect. It's just Friday it, it's going to rain a lot. So hopefully that kind of, at least it well, keeps that area nice and dry or as dry as possible. They're going to have to keep things uh, tame on the ice. It'll certainly affect things. They may have to move things up from a practice standpoint, but game time looks really good for a regular start on, um, on Saturday. Maybe they just got to do a light practice Friday. Do a, everybody's got to hit the morning skate on Saturday. That might be the way to go.
1: Everybody should yeah, well, just buy a squeegee and you know just you know,
2: <laughs> right Put Add a that to the back the of States. the uh, to the back of it no back of your skates
0: just so mm-hmm. as you're skating you yeah. can squeegee it off right Perfect. away. Certainly should be a good time for both of you in North Carolina for that Stadium Series game. Leading up to it though, and I guess leading up over the next couple of weeks. Everybody's wanting to know what's going on in the trade market right now. So many names flying around. In fact, we're seeing for the first time some transparency when it comes to scratching guys for trade related reasons. We've seen that language used with two different players with Jacob Chikrin in Arizona and then Vladislav Gavrikov in Columbus. So, Dave what are you hearing about both of these teams because it seemed like there were conflicting reports flying around twitter that Chickering was going here this guy was being included no he wasn't so what's the latest on jacob chickering well everything still points to the los angeles kings
2: although i believe boston is still in there i think there are a couple other teams some reports suggesting columbus and and a couple others trying to make something work because remember it's not just cup contending or playoff contending teams that want this guy he's got two more years left on his contract so he's controllable um, so you're getting an asset here that you have for two and a half seasons, basically. And hopefully longer because, you know, you're going to want to try to convince them to stick around, but I still believe LA is at the forefront of this. They'd like to be able to get something done. They just got to figure out the money. I don't, I know there were reports of Cal Peterson in it. I don't think that's the case. Um, I've heard names like Sean Walker, Brendan Lemieux, not as centerpieces, but as, as potential ads to whatever package this may end up being. So, I mean, when we were in L.A. on Saturday, it was half hour before we got to the rink at about 4.30 local time. The Coyotes put out the tweet that they're scratching Chikrin, and then all hell broke loose. So as we were getting ready for the Dustin Brown ceremony, we're also checking our phones, trying to figure out, okay, well, (laughs) is something happening here? Um, It was close. It's still relatively close, I believe, but I I think things are, um, from Arizona standpoint, you want to try to max out your return. I believe there's a lot of frustration. From a few parties as well, if this hasn't happened yet. Um,
1: but I mean, here we are. Yeah. On the, the Cal Peterson front, guys, because uh, there's some talk about maybe bringing Demko and they don't really believe in a even though Phoenix Copley only does his win. He's 17 3 and 1, he's 8 1 and 1 in the last 10 starts. I, I don't know what more he could do for this thing. But on, on, on the Peterson front, like they still believe yeah. in Cal Peterson. And he is signed for two more seasons at $5 million a year. They believe him. So so any swap that you hear with Cal Peterson in it is probably just some some really misguided trade chatter. They still believe him. They're working with him in the minor leagues. He's done okay down there. But as you both guys know, the attending goal in the AHL is very different than the NHL. Uh, so Cal's down there working yeah. on his game, working on the technical stuff. So when you hear the trade rumors about goaltending, you might want to minimize that. With respect to Chicken, look, here's the thing. You can't sit this guy out forever. What are you going to do? Sit him out until March third? Like, like, do the guy justice? And plus, it's a competitive issue here. Like, if you're playing Arizona without Chickering and you're a playoff team, like, is, is it is it fair here? I don't really know. So you can't sit this guy out forever. I'll tell you this: Grant Clark isn't on the table. Quentin Byfield is not on the table, and rightfully so because Jacob Chickren is not a Norris Trophy winner. Right, guys? He's not a one. He's a he's a really good two with maybe even three on a championship team, depending on your chart, on your defense. So to ask for two first-round picks and your top prospect, it doesn't make sense. So I get the pushback, and I get why it hasn't happened yet, because I'm sure Armstrong asked for those players, and they said no. Um, there is a yawning need at left D on the left side, the second pair, and Sean Darcy's done a fine job sitting in. And Dave mentioned Sean Walker. Sean Walker was the solution in the offseason for the left side D on the second pair. Didn't work out early. They moved Dursey over there. He's been yep. fine. He produces offense. But he, he's not the long-term answer, Zach. So I think that, yeah, they want him, but they don't want to overpay. But you're right. You have three swings at a playoff with this player. Any, any team has three swings right now if you trade in the moment. And the thing about L.A., you look, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, you look at the Pacific in the West, it's wide open. So whoever takes that swing, if it's another Western team, and you add that player to the lineup, you might be able to get through the season to the cup final.
0: It's kind of like a win-win move, because if you make the move, somebody else doesn't that you're head-to-head with, and then that kind of gives you the upper hand. So, Dennis, we were talking before, actually a couple days ago, producer Jason was talking about Sean Dursey on the left side, who you just mentioned. That need for L.A., I mean, that could be a hell of a fit, because, you know, I'm not going to say Sean Dursey cost Copley his shutout last game, but, you know, he's tend to be beat quite a few times on the defensive side. So, you know, to have him on, number one, his natural side, but then number two in yeah. probably a third-pair role in five-on-five five action could be beneficial in a bunch of different ways for the Kings.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And, and I know Sean has spent time with us. He's a really good kid. He's really defied the odds. He came out of nowhere last season when Drew Daddy went down for injury. He helped save that season last season. Um, it's a challenge for him on the left side. He's trying very hard. He's he, It's, it's on-the-job training, basically. He's learning the position because he's a right D. So, yeah, but they need his offense. That's a, He's a puck-moving defense in which they don't really have a lot of. Drew isn't the same Drew Daddy that, that won Norris trophies. Mikey innocent is the stay-at-home guy. So is Matt Roy. They, they need him in the mix, right? absolutely. But I agree with you. Right, right side is much better suited for Sean Jersey. But for right now, he's holding his own. He's not the greatest defender in the world, but they are in a playoff spot, and he, he's been part of the solution in Los Angeles. But, yeah, they, they need to solve that. Here's the thing. They can solve the goaltending in the offseason. Because right now they have an over $10 million cap hit in in, in net, and you're not going to bring in another goalie. Three are already healthy. They can fix the lefty right now. If it's him, it's it's Chicken, Gavacroft, Proveroff, who's probably not getting traded. So that's the difference in LA. Like one issue can be solved right now in the moment, the other one, probably you're looking off in the distance, probably in the offseason.
0: Dave, we were talking a couple weeks ago about Gavrikov and how there's always a market for these kinds of players. Yeah. Left-handed D plays big minutes, big body, solid defender. What's the latest on him and what might it cost to get Vladislav Gavrikov? Well, the asking price has been a first round pick plus for for him. And I know there are reports
2: of you know mm-hmm. extra picks on top of it. I don't know if it's going that hard. I don't think anybody's got an appetite to really pay that. But you're looking at a first round pick and, and another asset effectively for Vladislav Gavrikov. And he has the potential to sign an extension with teams. I know he's spoken, or his agent uh, has permission to speak with other teams. He's spoken with other teams. He's spoken with LA. He's spoken with Edmonton. He's spoken with Boston. He's chatted with some other teams, Toronto and so on, about what a contract extension would look like. So teams that want him not only know what the price is to get him from a transactional perspective, but they also know what the opportunity cost is to keep him around beyond this season. So if you're trading for this guy, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to come with an extension, but at least you have an idea as to what he's looking for and whether that's realistic for you to, to, to keep beyond this year. So I think from a lot of the team's perspective, as they're weighing out their options to see, do I want to give up a first round pick plus for this guy? Can he stick around? Is he going to be able to gel with my group and, and kind of be put in seamlessly so that, you don't have any disruption in the chemistry that you've got already. So all of these elements are being considered. He's going to get traded. I mean, he's scratched and he's not going to be playing again until he is moved. Um, So, I mean, we just got to keep a watchful eye to see who steps up in here. There's, there's other teams that are poking around Calgary and, um, and a few others, but it's really going to come down to what's the cost. Are you willing to pay it? And do you feel you have an opportunity to keep this guy signed beyond this season? All of those elements
0: are in play here. DB, is that a good contingency in your mind for the Kings that they can't land Chikrin?
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, but I would not trade a first round pick for a rental and I'm not sure they would extend them. So that, that's the thing. So if, if I'm Rob Blake, I'm saying, okay, you're not getting my first round pick this year, this year even though it's not going to be in the kind of Darry's because they're going to be in the postseason. season. Um, I would offer him a second and probably B level prospect. And, and look, if Jarman can get a first-round pick for that guy, God bless him, he won. That's a win for him. I, I, it's like what do I think we do with David Savard? Didn't he get a first-round pick for David Savard? So mm-hmm. it it's can he create a seller's market for this player? Because is this president really worth a first round pick? I don't think so. But in the context, if you think he's going to put you over and be the last Pete in the butt, that's the thing with with LA. Even if they got gavrikov are they a four-round team? Not this year. So so Rob, that that's the issue. Even with Chikrin, like, are they there yet? Is it the last piece of the puzzle? Any player put them over? I don't think so because it needs a little bit more development. So, Cup would be a short-term solution, I think, is a rental. But it, it can't be for a first-round pick plus for Los Angeles. That so, They just – Rob's too conservative. He wouldn't do that, I don't think. And they learned a lesson a while ago, I think back in 2015, Dave, when they traded for Sakara and they gave him yep. a first-round pick, and that really didn't work well. So, I would be very hesitant, even with a guy who does fit – what the need is in Los Angeles to move around a first round pick for that guy. The, the
2: other, I will add, if you, if you're a team and you believe you're at least a three round team, then are you, are you comfortable giving up a 25 plus pick yeah. for this player? I mean, that's, that's really what it comes down to because keep in mind, Joel Edmondson's also out there. He's got one year left on his contract. The asking price for him first round pick plus. So the the market for defensemen is a lot different than the market for forwards. Because there aren't as many defensemen as there are forwards out there in terms of those caliber of players. I mean, you've got Eric Carlson, you've got Jacob Chikrin. Take those off the table. What else you got? You got Gavrikov. You have Edmondson, You have Luke Shen. I mean, Klingberg, yeah. different type of defenseman. He's offensive, and the price that you're not getting a first round pick if you're Anaheim for for John Klingberg based on how he's played, and you got to eat probably half of that contract. So. The opportunity cost is there, which is why I understand why teams are holding firm on defensemen right now. Um, But you got to take that into account. If you're Boston and you're like, listen, i got to go get uh, Vladi Gavrikov. He's going to put me over the top. Am I going to give up a first-round pick? Sure. I mean, I think that works. I mean, some teams don't have first-round picks this year, so that's going to obviously play a factor, too. Mm -hmm. And are you more comfortable giving up a first-round pick next year than this year? That's also part of the equation, which we've seen See. in other instances with, you know, Ben Sherratt getting traded, mm-hmm. you know, got a first round pick. But, you know, some some teams like to like to move the pick for a following year versus this particular summer. And with how deep this draft is, allegedly, um, some teams might be pushing for, for that 2024. They may not get it. They may not get their wish to give up that pick. But it sounds like a lot of teams are trying to push to next year.
1: See, with Boston, like, I get them going for Chikrin. I get it. Like, Chikrin and Charlie McAvoy up top, look, they fell under 800-point percentage. I guess there's panic in Boston because they've lost a couple <laughs> games or whatever. But but Gavrikov instead of Grizzly yeah. doesn't make – like, it doesn't put them over. Like, Chikrin for Grizzly puts them over. Like, that pair on top of the, what they've done this season, oh. that's why you go for it. Yes?
2: I disagree. I, I think I think Vladdy Gavrikov is – the shutdown type of defenseman that a cup contender absolutely needs.
1: Chickren. They're first and goals against. They don't need them. They're well, first they and goals against. Then they don't need Chickren either. But they, Chickren gives them more offense. That, that's the how thing. Much more,
2: I mean, yeah, but how much How much more do you need in that? If, if, I'm, if I'm them, I'd rather go and give a second-round pick for John Klingberg if you want offense. If you're trying to add offense, yeah. I'd rather give a second-round okay. pick for Klingberg than I would – overpay for Jacob Chikrin. Personally, if offense is what you need. I think Gavrikov, there's a reason why teams like Boston and Edmonton, well, Edmonton, they need defense like – they need real defense. I understand the players want a guy that can help get the puck out of the zone. That's helpful too, guys. But you need somebody to help out your goaltenders. So I think Gavrikov is what they need. But Kenny Holland's got to kind of figure that out. I think you add a guy like that on your back end if you're Boston, you're that much tougher to play against but that's the thing
1: Gavrikov makes sense in more way more sense in Edmonton than he does in Boston
0: I agree with that two completely different players but two guys that are definitely going to fetch halls if and when they're traded and you know you're talking about the players but also the contract situation one's a rental one's got two years after this of control so Vladislav Gabrikov, Jacob Chikrin certainly hot on the market right now, held out of their respective games for trade-related reasons, is what the teams say. Patrick Kane has been playing every game for the Chicago Blackhawks so far, has not been traded yet. This has been a topic even going back to last year, because coming into this year, it was the expectation that he was going to be traded. We've mentioned him on this show before. It has not happened yet. So, Dave, the latest on Patrick Kane. Is there a trade list now? Is Are things picking up steam? What's going on? No list. No list yet has been submitted. Uh, I know
2: Tuesday went wild with Toronto talk and all kinds of stuff. And Toronto is interested, just like Dallas, just like Vegas, just like Carolina. Uh, the rangers the islanders i mean the rangers the, the gymnastics they'd have to pull off to make that happen <laughs> no, would be uh, yeah exactly olympic-sized
1: uh, gymnastics exactly
2: right yeah 100 percent. so look so i, I spoke with cappers his agent yesterday there's there's no decision that's been made um with him or or jonathan Taves. they're not there yet he's still exploring his options evaluating everything he he, he doesn't want to rush into anything clearly Um, even though he probably lost his first option. But uh, the sense I'm getting is that will happen next week, that that will at least get across, whether it gets leaked to any of us, I don't know. But the expectation is those decisions will come out next week for both Kane and Taves, and that'll give Kyle Davidson, Chicago's GM, some runway uh, to work on a trade if they're willing to move. And if they're willing to move, where are they willing to go? I think Toronto's an option. I don't know how they pull it off financially, but I think Toronto's an option. I think Dallas is leading the pack, quite frankly. I I know there's interest to go there. Um, You just got to figure out how to work out a deal. They don't have their first-round pick, so how does that play a factor? Is Toronto willing to move their first-round pick for a player like him? Maybe. Um, You know, it wouldn't be a Matthew Nyes or one of their other top prospects, the the young Finnish defenseman. Um, But would it be a first-round pick, another prospect, another asset? Can they make the money work? Is it going to be a little bit bigger? Lafferty's a guy that they like, so maybe they they bring him in to to solidify the bottom six. You move out some money, maybe a Pierre Engvall, even though the coach absolutely freaking loves this guy. So that might be uh, problematic in terms of what they may do. But all of the – I mean, there's parameters in place with all of the teams that have interest. Yeah, we'd give up this or that or this. We'll firm it up once it becomes more realistic. So at least Chicago has an idea for both Kane and Taves a rough idea as to what they could potentially get in a deal. So if Kane goes back and says, okay, I'll take Toronto, Dallas, and Vegas, for example, then it's up to Davidson to maximize the return on one of those three teams. It might be two teams, it might just be one. But then it's up to him to max that return. Same with Jonathan Taves on the other end. And and by the way, the reason I think Kane continues to play is just trying to convince teams that his hip issue has been He's overblown, so annoying, yeah. which is which is what it sounds like. Um, despite people suggesting otherwise, it certainly sounds like it's not a nagging, dreadful injury
1: that it was let out to be.
0: Yeah, he left the game uh, last month, and then he missed a few, but that that was it.
1: Right. Yeah, I just find it funny that that you have a player that utilizes his no-movement clause, protects himself from being traded anywhere, and then when he doesn't get traded, he complains about not getting traded. Like, oh, I wasn't too happy about well, dude, like, make up your mind. If you made up your mind in October, you want to be traded, then you would be on the Rangers right now. But you waited and waited and waited. And, you know, sometimes players don't get what they want. I know it's shocking. But, you know, Patrick is, like, he's saying, he's complaining. Oh, I'm not too happy to hear about that trade. Well, dude, you could have been there, but you just wait. And, look, he's got that right. And the thing about King to Toronto, you know, they need another skill guy. You know who they need? Guys who aren't free agent. Dave's talked about him a lot. Tyler Bertuzzi. That's the type of player they need in the playoffs, not Patrick Kane. And Patrick Kane's a great player. Don't get me wrong. But you need a player that's going to get to the net and be feisty and drag your team into the fight. That's the type of player they need, a grittier player. And, yes, he's not Patrick Kane. He's not at that level. They've got enough talent if everybody's healthy. They've got enough skill. That's the type of guy, a gritty guy they need. I think that would help them more. I think he's just a better fit for them for what they need than Patrick Kane.
0: Uh, and he's I, not having the best year either. So they could get him on the cheap potentially, Dave.
2: I agree. Uh, and that, I mean, look, how many times do we say this every frickin' year? You can only win with so much skill when you get to the playoffs. You need the other intangibles as part of your team and as part of your lineup to win hockey games in the playoffs. You can load up with Patrick Kane if you're Toronto. You can load up if you're, Eric, if you're Edmonton with Eric Carlson. That's great. Looks good. Fans go nuts. Sexy name came to town. You need Yeah, fantasy intense. points. You want
1: fantasy points? That's great. Tremendous. Okay.
2: <laughs> right. Wonderful. You need you need those other elements. And that's why guys like Gavrikov and Edmondson and Bertuzzi are more valuable at this time of year.
1: Barbashev.
2: Right. Ivan Barbashev. Second round right. picking a prospect. That's the asking price. You want to pay more? Yeah, St. Louis will take it. But those are the kinds of players, Nola Chari even. Like these are the kinds of players. Right. You add to your bottom six. You add some grit to your second line. Like you, you have Jonathan Tavares and William Nylander on your second line. Are you telling me that a skilled player like Patrick – yeah, he's good and he's great – would complement that line? Or do you need somebody who's going to get in the dirty areas to allow those two guys to get the job? Right. Who can keep up with them? Tyler Bertuzzi. Like, those are the kinds of players you need to win hockey games. Uh, I'm going to quote uh, Miracle right now. I'm not looking for the most skilled player, uh, whatever the hell the quote is. I don't remember what the quote is. But <laughs> he's not – you, you don't it. always look – yeah, I'm going to paraphrase that situation. You're not looking for the most skilled players or the best players. You're looking for the best team. You're trying to create a team here. And you've got to find the right mm-hmm. pieces that fit within the team. You've got a crap ton of skill. You need the other elements. So if you're going to add a Carlson if you're Edmonton, or if you're going to add a Kane if you're Toronto, great. But you better add some more to this team to stabilize that presence come playoff time, or it's not going to matter.
1: Those two teams could add those guys if they want to win the – if they want to enter a team next year at All-Star weekend to play three-on-three, right? great. If you're looking to win a Stanley Cup, that's not how – like, look at Tampa. Yeah, they have their stars. But you can't tell me that their their middle and bottom six don't win them championships as well. That's the key. That's the whole key. So yeah, like it, it would be great. At, and so Toronto would go nuts if Patrick Game game. Is yep. he the best fit to help them win rounds against Tampa Bay in a game seven? Yeah, if he makes a big play, I guess, but just just it, it's that's not the structure of a team to load up purely offensive guys. But we'll see what happens in the next what, two weeks. I love, Dennis,
0: you bringing up Ivan Barbashev. Let's not forget last year, he actually had an offensive breakout. And could he be, Dave, maybe like another Michael Bunting for that second line if Toronto were to acquire someone who's going to get dirty in the corners, feed the puck to the front of the net, get to the front of the net himself. I mean, the guy had like 60 points last year and he can throw the body around. And and he's versatile. He could play
2: any of the three forward positions. Like, yeah, he's left shot You put him on the left side. But if you need – if you find somebody else – you could, solid- you could stabilize him. You could stabilize your third line and put him in as your third line center if you really wanted to because he has options. And there are a lot of – like Toronto is without question interested in Ivan Barbashev. But there are a lot – like Boston's kind of in that mix too. Calgary uh, has. Edmonton. Like almost every team that is currently in a playoff spot has reached out about Ivan Barbashev. So there's a lot of interest in this player, which is why maybe it turns into a first-round pick. I would be a little bit surprised – um, but it sounds like second-round pick and prospect is, is the asking yeah. price, and nobody's really balking at the moment. Um, but everyone's kind of just going, ah, "How do I, how do I finagle this? We got two weeks. Let me try to mess around with this." Um, but he would be he would be an excellent fit for a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs. And there are a lot of teams that believe that the sixty-point season he had last year was not an anomaly. So can he be an offensive kind of guy? I think so. Is he afraid to throw the body? No. Is he perfect for a, a team's third line? Like, if you want to Tampa the crap out of your team, traditionally on what they've done, this is
0: the kind of guy you go for.
2: And by the way, Tampa sure. likes him
0: too. We've seen first-round picks be traded for guys like Barkley, Goodrow at the deadline, and uh, I'm trying to think—I had another name in mind, but I mean, it's it, Nick Foligno. Like, it, it happened. It's, it's not it's not out of the question for sure. And, and considering DB, what Ivan Barbashev's yeah. been able to do, maybe they could fetch it up. I mean. There's no question. St. Louis is open for uh, discussions now after they traded away Tarasenko. They got back Sammy Blay, who, by the way, scored in his first game as a Blue after not (laughs) playing as a Ranger, which was great. (laughs) I I thought of you the second I saw that goal.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it was it was fantastic. It's an 800-pound gorilla off his back. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's the Petrov (laughs) division. The St. Louis Blues, of
0: course are in in the seller's market. But the Pacific Division right now, DB, wide open. We've got the LA yeah. Kings, of course, plus 500, but they're right in the mix with the 17, 3-1 Copley leading the way. Vegas injured, but they're still co-favorites at plus 240 with the Edmonton Oilers to win the Pacific. We've got Seattle at plus 275. They're sizzling off a little bit, so can they regain that? Calgary at plus 900. Their goalie just can't stop a beach ball right now. I think it's only a matter of time until Dan Vladar takes over. So, DB, what are you seeing with the Pacific Division landscape here? Because we've got five teams pretty much in the running for that top spot.
1: Well, you know, I, I host on SiriusXM, and a couple of weeks ago, uh, Steve Cooley asked me on the Power Play to make a bowl prediction. And I said LA was going to win the division, and I got the gears from Shane O'Brien. But Shane, hey, look, they're they're what one two points out of a plus like that, that that price on them it now pre chickren if they get Chickren and you get them at plus five hundred, I'd be, I'd make the bet based on the possibility of them getting Jacob Chikrin. It's wide open. I watched Seattle last night, and Burakovsky. I'm not sure how long he's going to be out, and they have depth scoring. When you look at their line, you say, "Wow, there's guys with like 10 and 11 goals on each one of the lines." Manny Berniers has slowed down a little bit. Seattle's backing up. I don't like Calgary at all. I don't think they got any shot winning the division. Then it comes down to LA, Edmonton, and Vegas. And look, they can trade for Patrick Kane or make another move in Vegas, but they're not replacing Mark Stone. He's a unicorn for that team. Like he's a leader. He wears the C. He's emotional. He's the heartbeat of that team. Jack Raquel's starting to wake up a little bit, but Jack hasn't been good down the stretch. And Edmonton, if they get some saves, they can win the division. I think rightfully, I think Edmonton is the more healthier team, so they should probably be the favorite over Vegas. I'm not sure what's going to happen with Vegas because they're banged up, and they're an older team, Zach. And down the stretch, if they if, if you're going to play Pedrangelo's 25 or 27 minutes, like that's going to wear on this team, and that's what happened down the stretch. So it, it's really interesting. Vegas could easily win, but – I think they, LA at plus 500 and they're right there and they have a pretty relatively easy schedule. Once they get through this, this Eastern road trip they have at the end of the month, they have a lot of home games and they, they have a, against lesser teams. I, I think for the value, I think LA is the best bet right now.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, especially if they add, and they're going to add at some point. It's just a matter of how extreme is this addition? Yeah. Is it Chikrin? Is it, gavrikov if the price is lowered uh, is it luke shen for example i mean no yeah. actually it's not because he's yeah. right they don't have if they get another it's right right
0: only a matter of time until luke shen gets his statue too next to dustin brown uh <laughs> easy easy now with that
2: everybody outside not appreciating dustin brown's presence in la it, <laughs> it's crazy but look they, if they i mean hell if they could find a dustin brown type uh, I'm sure they would love to add him to this to this lineup, the true playoff performer that he was. Um, but I, I like LA too, the way that they're playing. Everyone, okay, everyone's complaining about goaltending and, and they need to get another goalie because Copley is this, Copley is that. Like Dennis said earlier, Copley is 17-3. and three. Are you now going to bring in another goalie or are you going to go to Copley and say, hey, you've been really good for us. We want to ride you. Our confidence is now in you. Do you think that's going to either go, is he going to go back and go, oh man, too much pressure. I can't handle this. Or, holy crap, the team's got, they're putting me on their shoulders and I'm going to help ride this team forward. Like that's motivation all by itself. So, I I mean, which is huge. So if they can make some type of addition and, and there's this Patrick Kane talk, which I'm still not understanding fully, but, it, it, it shows to me that Rob Blake is just looking around and weighing his options. So I, I think certainly they're going to stay up top, um, yeah. and they're going to fight for that division.
1: I, I, the, I really think the, I really think they yeah. are. The goaltending options, like like Talbot's hurt, Demko's hurt. Like who are you tra- Vol- that, the is not showing Varlamov? They can't play Sororca in every game. Like wh- what's the option here? Like who are you going to trade? Yeah. Like Mark Andre Flurry? Because Gus isn't taking on like there's no option, there's no better option. So again, they they can solve this. And now Copley got an extension, so he's signed for next season. So's Cal Peterson. Quick's probably his last days in LA or right now. Like they're not gonna trade for a fourth whole league uh, healthy goaltender. Like, what are you gonna do? Put play, you really gonna put three guys on the roster? Like it doesn't make sense. The guy's winning games, and he's getting closer to the copley to the league average. I think it's nine oh six, he's like nine oh one or nine oh two he's had a couple bad games. He had one bad game against Dallas at home. Then got wiped out in in Nashville and got pulled in 39 seconds. But like you're gonna waive like somebody's oh, you can make a trade and waive him. Like you're waving a 17-3 and one goalie that you just extended for another year. It doesn't make sense. This is the this is the rotation going to look. It would help if Jonathan Quick played better. Like to give this guy a break because that's the challenge. It's not Phoenix Copley. It's that they can't rely on Cal Peterson and Quick. Quick hasn't won a game since December 1st. Now, he's going to get some play over the weekend. He's either going to play in Anaheim or Arizona, and those are two games they should win. That's a game he should win. They need to build the confidence, or Todd McCullough needs to get confidence back in Jonathan Quick because he hasn't played that much, and he hasn't won in a long time. That's a long stretch for Jonathan Quick not to win since December 1st.
2: All right, enough of L.A. It's okay. it's, it's too much now. It's just it's too much. They're going to add. They're not changing the goalie. They're gonna figure out this chicken thing, I think, and then and then go from there. So, how does how do the rest of these teams react? Like DB's right. Like, I, I just I can't. I had a story come out this morning on Calgary, um, and I wrote about how much of a hot mess the Flames are because they are. I mean, they're in a wild card spot right now, but Colorado has like forty five games in hand of them, or whatever it is. I think it's yeah, fine, yeah, yeah. but it, it like it, and they're a point back. Like with with how some of these other teams are performing. Calgary and Edmonton are in a lot of trouble. Uh, excuse me, Calgary and Minnesota are, are in a lot of trouble. Um, but, but with respect to the Calgary Flames, uh, they're right up there with Boston in terms of how busy they are combing the league. They're looking at every option. They're they're trying to, to- turn over every stone to see how they can make improvements to this club. If this team does not make the playoffs, all hell's going to break loose with that club. And Brad for living knows it. There's a lot of pressure on him right now that he's feeling, and I feel for him because there is a hell of a lot of pressure. He made so many gigantic changes in the summer that it hasn't galvanized the team. Jonathan Huberto is on pace for the lowest point total over a full season since 14-15. Uh, since, since Andrew Mangiapane is on pace for less than half of the 35 goals he scored last year. Th- th- those are just two guys. Jacob Markstrom might not be on the team next season. Yeah, keep tabs on that, depending on how things go with the rest of this club. There are going to be some serious changes that are going to have to happen for this club. And as Mm -hmm. they look at options, and they've checked in on Chikrin. They've checked in on Colton Pareko, who has a full no-trade in his new uh, contract. They've checked in on other players. And they're also getting checked in on. Ottawa has interest in Mackenzie Weger. And my understanding is if the Calgary Flames can upgrade their decor in another area... They would consider moving Mackenzie Weger to Ottawa, so it's something to keep tabs on.
1: See, and after signing to that huge deal, too. Yeah, right. right. He's in year zero of that deal. He's still on his old deal. Yeah. Here's the thing with Calgary, right? Like, Manjiapani wasn't a 35 goal scorer. Elias Lindholm isn't a 40 goal scorer. It's the trickle down effect of two great offensive. So here's the thing, Pete, and I know they they flamed out in the playoffs last year, and that's a bad pun, but. Like they they beat the Dallas in game Jeez. seven on a lucky shot by by Coleman. They got wiped out by the you forget how great that regular season team was. Like this is not the same team. Majiapani Apani is an 18 goal scorer, not a 35 goal scorer. Lyson Holmes a really solid player. He's not a 40 goal scorer. But that was the presence of Johnny Goodrew and Matthew Kachuk as a halo effect on these other guys. Like Nascaj's solid. Solid. He's not, but hey, guess what? He's not an eighty-point player he was in Colorado. Yep. They were necessary moves. Don't get me wrong. A lot of guys left. And I think a lot that has to do with the coach, right? I think that's why Johnny's not there anymore. And Matthew, yeah, nobody really likes him, but I'm sure he wanted to play there either anymore as well. That's the thing is that they had to make these replacements, but it's it's clearly not the same team. It's not responding to Daryl. Zach, they, they, every game's the same thing. They outshoot everybody by two to one and they lose games because they can't find a way. That game in Ottawa... You're up 3-1 with 2.15 left, and you can't beat that team? The goalie making his NHL debut, sorry. Like, you can see they're not really responding to what's going on with Daryl behind the bench. They're not. Like, there's too much talent on that team, even though I think it's lesser offensive talent. Like, it's more maybe the mole of what Daryl is used to coaching because it's not as offensively gifted. But it's clearly not working. And when I watch those games, it's the same thing because 35 shots on goal, but they have, like, five high-danger chances. So they take all these stupid shots. They're not gonna. They don't have close close to getting in the net. And it looks so. It looks like oh wow, they really dominated this team. But it was two to one. It was three to one. They never really gapped themselves. The one game was in Buffalo where they were down two nothing in that game and found a way to get seven goals. I really don't like the combination. They just don't like the confident team. And like they said, they don't look like they're in sync.
2: There, there was there was talk over the weekend that if they lost that game to Buffalo, which they ended up winning seven two. I Think it was seven two. But yeah, or maybe that would I – whatever. They won the freaking game. Um, just too much hockey going on. If they lost that game, there was talk that Daryl's hot that uh, Daryl's seat got hotter. Like there is there is now whispers that yeah. they, they're they're contemplating everything. And and look, Dennis is right. Nobody expected Bonchapani to score thirty five goals again this year, and nobody expected Lindholm to get forty. But to get under twenty or around twenty for Lindholm. Like, people thought, okay, in Calgary, if these guys could be around 25, 28 goals, great. We brought in Huberto. We brought in Nas. We'll be able to supplement that. The offense will still work for this team. It hasn't worked. And Jacob Markstrom's been garbage. So, and he knows it. I mean, he's having a really bad year. He knows it. He can't figure it out. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just have those shit years. Sorry. And you, you, it just that just is what happens. So. A lot of bad things. Everything's kind of happening all at once for the Calgary Flames. And Trilliving's trying to figure it out. I I don't know if he can. Uh, As I said in my article, he made some earth-shattering moves in the summer. So there's, there's, there's no stopping him from having to do it again.
1: But he's got to figure this out, and his team's not doing him many favors lately. And the other thing they need to do is they need to get Rasmus Anderson an Uber account so he doesn't have to take scooters around town and get hit when he's going to dinner. That would have really helped the team. Okay, number one, it's just it's just it's just not working. Plus, you know, not for nothing, but guys like Dylan Dubey and Taro Toffoli have really saved their asses up, and like they've been great down the. They've been productive. Like Toffoli has been fantastic for them. Like he's going to be on pace, I think, for thirty plus goals. He's really saved them with big goals. The games they've won, he's been a big factor, and so is Dylan Dubé. And that's the thing. When like, those two guys would be middle six guys, but they're top line guys right now because two great you know wingers left. To go to Cal- to go to Florida and Columbus in the off season, and this Calgary segment really got heated. <laughs>
0: <Boo>. <laughs> well, I'm still laughing about that Uber account. I, that was I, good. I, that was yeah, good. DB. That
1: was you're welcome <laughs> everyone's welcome
0: a little dark but something that we needed this morning i hate those damn scooters by the way can i
2: just i hate those things. so do i I, would I, was, never on. No. I was first introduced to them at all-star like i knew they were around but all-star weekend in san jose a few years ago they were freaking everywhere i got clipped like 14 times over that weekend i hate those damn things can't
0: stand them stop using them nhl players <laughs> Please. I remember being in San Jose in 2019, so the year that they hosted the All-Star game. And they were just – people leave them around like it's garbage. Everywhere. Like they are littering them. It's crazy. Some some dude literally rode by
2: me, clipped me on, like, the back of the shin, like two feet in front of me, dropped his mm-hmm. scooter, and just started walking off. I'm like, what the f- – what's going it's, on? It's where like that
1: Park? South Park – remember the South Park episode where all the scooters just yeah. yeah. sh- started showing up randomly everywhere? Everywhere.
2: Same thing.
0: I hate those yeah. damn things. Anyway. Yeah, South. I mean, South Park does that. I mean, they they play off of real things that happen. So right. I don't know what kind of shit they run in California over there, DB. But <laughs> Zach and Dave not impressed. No,
1: no. <laughs> zero not percent. I, I, I'm don't gonna I'm gonna
0: chuck those things into the friggin' Pacific.
1: You should exactly.
0: Ah, <laughs> well, get it. Either. Environmental stuff. You can't really whatever. Well, guys, a lot of names to watch on the trade market leading up over the next few weeks. We've got the Stadium Series game on Saturday. You two will be there in Raleigh, so enjoy that. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Episode 4 of the Edgework podcast on the Hammer Betting Network. We've got the best bets every single day at 10.30 Eastern going live, so you can check those out, and we will see you next week.